everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a stunningly ugly day here in Washington. It's a rainy day schedule. It's, it's a rainy day schedule, but in here it's all sunshine and fun. We've got a great lineup today. So any luxury hotel takes care to put together the amenities and services uh, that, that you know their guests would want. The Sagamore Pendry Hotel in Baltimore has gone above and beyond uh, aside from being stunningly beautiful and having art installations that will blow your mind, uh, the hotel was built to connect with the city of Baltimore and its neighborhood in ways that will blow your mind when you hear about it, including a, a couple of colonial-era cannon that were uncovered during the construction that you can step over. Okay, this Not, is the longest introduction ever. I love ever. it, but I love it in the bar. All right, so David Hoffman, who is the GM of the hotels with us, we're going to talk all about it. Okay, and an old friend is back in studio, and we're so excited. Jen Siegel, Once Upon a Chef. You know her as a blogger. She now has her own cookbook, and it is glorious, and she's going to tell us about some of the delicious recipes that are in there. All right, and it's lamb jam time again. I don't Woo-hoo! know how that's possible. My life is passing before my eyes, but... Uh, lamb farmer John Jameson is in with his wife, Suki, uh, and they are part of Lamb Jam. It's sponsored by the American Lamb Board, mm-hmm. and John's going to be there. He's going to be um, butchering uh, a whole lamb, right, John? Yeah. Holy guacamole. Well, so, we'll get into that whole event And maybe later. you'll get a piece of lamb while you're there. Okay. And it's also time, again, for the Rammies. I it's know. June 10th, is that right? Yes. The Both. Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. Mm-hmm. But what's so exciting is today we have uh, Dave Marty. He is from the Peru Trade Office. And Peru is involved with the Rammies every year, and they always provide delicious tastes. So uh, Dave is going to join us, and he's going to be pouring Pisco cocktails. And he's going to be talking about the culture of Peru and why why they even participate with something like the Rammies. And, so I'm really looking forward to that hopefully conversation. Hopefully after the first cocktail, we'll still be able to listen and care. That'll be awesome. Okay. All right. So before we get into cocktails, we are going to find out what's going on at the market, Mitch. What's happening? Mitch Berlin. Hello there, boys and girls. Hi. How are you today? Hi. So did you hear in our introduction that we have the uh, Jamesons from Jameson Farm I in studio? Everybody. Matter of fact, we used to have the Jamesons at our market. Their lamb is over the top. Their lamb over is the over the top. Now, wait a minute. I'm going to in- interpret here. He said that your lamb is fabulous and over the top, but he used to have you at his markets. Right. It sounds like a plea to return to far. me. Baby, come back. It's too far. Yeah, well, we'd love to have him, but it's, it was really a, a real sweat. But mm-hmm. it's, it, it's great stuff. We'd love to join them. We did the lamb jam with them this year. No one reached out to us, so... Give me a call off the air, and we'd love to. We have lamb salami. I know you do. Your lamb good. salami oh, is delicious. Lamb salami. So oh. yummy. So let's yeah. quickly talk, Mitch, because even though yeah. it is a rainy day, the market is still happening. We are open rain or shine 52 weeks a year. We've got the first cherries of the season. First, I have to thank you, Nikki, on Memorial Day for coming out shopping your favorite. You know I love going. I just hate that I can't go on a Sunday because I got a show. <laughs> I understand, and uh, it's seriously. What about so thanking me? I was there in spirit. Yeah, you weren't there. Well, there you go. Well, I don't care what you're drinking, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it's heartwarming. We are actually got great crowds here today, mm-hmm. and it's, it is, and we got the first cherries of the season. 
We have two varieties of cherries. We're actually going to have the first corn of the season next weekend. Wow. So we're going to have corn. From where? Where is it from? It's from the northern neck, which is if you go to Fredericksburg, make a left, it's the three peninsulas that Montrose, Williamsburg is on, etc. So we still have the height of the strawberry season. We've got organic strawberries from several vendors, which is really tricky to do. Live music and new from Meat Crafters is we have the world's best pastrami. It's brined for 18 days, then smoked slowly for 12 hours. Wait a second. So if you're making pastrami, does somebody buy a whole pastrami, or can we buy, like, a a couple of slices? How do you sell it? Um, It's it's now being – we bought a slicing machine over Meat Crafters. Okay. And so you can buy it just in a small package already sliced, and it's ready to go. Fantastic. uh, And plus, people are buying the entire, you know, brisket. Uh, pastrami. So that is wonderful. And we've got just all kinds of greens and first snap peas are here. Fennel, which I love. Fennel, that's in season now, started coming on. Still got plenty of rhubarb, uh, et cetera. How much longer for rhubarb, for rhubarb lovers, Mitch? How much longer? Um, Probably a couple of weeks. Okay. um, Because, you know, we have people people in Pennsylvania. Oh, it's so easy to make. It's so delicious. It's great with strawberries in a compote, mm-hmm. in a pie. I think I dated a, a girl named Rhubarb once. Okay, nobody it. cares. Yeah. All right, Mitch, we yeah. got a book. Tell us where all well, the markets thank are. thank you. So tell, tell you, uh, here's our website, boys and girls. We have four markets, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Uh, just go to centralfarmmarkets.com and find out times and locations. And hello again to the Jamesons. Give me a call. Okay. okay. <laughs> Mitch wants you to call, John. All right. Take care, Mitch. Thanks, so Mitch. I want to remind everybody now, uh, again, who's on the show, David Hoffman, who's the GM at the Pendry Hotel, uh, an old friend of ours, yes, Jen but- Siegel. Oh, you're reminding everybody. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You told okay. me to do it, I so I'm doing it. Sorry. Jen Siegel wrote a great new cookbook called Once Upon a Chef. Uh, lamb farmers John and Suki Jameson are in talking about lamb jam and all of that. And David Marty from the Peru Trade Office is in feeding us drinks. And I'm telling you all that because now you can go to Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I, Nellis at Facebook, dot, uh, Facebook Live. And just go our, to Facebook. Just go to Facebook. <laughs> We're on Facebook Live. Right. I don't know. This is taking forever. I was, I was born in the 20th century. So, okay. And, and Eli Nellis is your cameraman, so yes. I did it all. So let's okay. talk to Dave, David Dave, you got to get in front of that mic so we can talk to you. Ready and willing. Hi, Hi Dave. How are you? Morning. Morning. Thank you doing? for joining us. Why is Peru involved with the Rammies? Yes, How did what that is Peru involved with the Rammies? What is it about? The Rammies. Well, the Rammies is um, kind of the standard of excellence within the Washington community in the restaurant it's industry. the Oscars for the restaurant industry, right? It's the Oscars. It's the, Oscars. It's the Grammys. That's, exactly That's why they call it the call Rammies. It. Duh. It's the Oscars. Okay. Peru um, is, uh, as always, is very well known for gastronomy. And right now, Peru has two of the top ten restaurants in the world. Mm. Lima, Peru, which a lot of people don't know. Um, but Peruvian cuisine we know now. is now you know. Right, right? now and we now know. you have to go. You said you've never been. <laughs> no, no. Gonna get Does that mean you're taking us? You are. <laughs> you say one. You're a sport. I'm ready and sport. Okay. <laughs> but Peru has so many unique products, um, peppers, fruits, superfoods that a lot of people here in the U.S. still don't know. And so the Rammies is a good way that we can introduce people, especially 
people in the food industry to a lot of these products. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to just, for people who have never been to a Ramy Gala before, it's the period in time where uh, first everybody gets there, they have a couple drinks, and then we sit down and there are the huge award, award announcements. This year, Anthony, how many categories are there this year? 21 categories, uh, and it features um, not just uh, all the fabulous chefs and mixologists and general managers and people in the restaurant industry, but also producers and artisans as well. And uh, everybody waits with bated breath to see who the award winners are. And then there's a massive party afterwards, and that is where your products get featured. But the, the, the point is, it's not just for the industry. You know, people who love food... Foodies, Foodies, everybody hates that word, can come. It's at the convention center, so it's usually about 2,200 people, and you can not only rub shoulders with all your favorite chefs and brewmeisters and all of that. Thank you, Mommy. Mm-hmm. But, um, like. uh, you know, I mean, you get a chance to, to taste amazing foods and, and drink amazing brews Okay, and so spirit. what are you pouring first Absolutely. for us today? Uh, and I will mention before we move on, though, that it, tickets are available to the public, so they can go online. To are operators on, on duty now? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? Are operators on duty now? Yes, operators are on duty now. By, yeah, they're standing them. by. It's, a, it's an event that I'd recommend to <laughs> right. anyone that's interested in food. But right, we'll start. Let's get into Pisco. This, let's talk Pisco. This is All right, the best so part of my job. What are you I'm pouring first to today? Just this tell us. is a Chilcano, which is a classic drink, very well known in Peru. It is the original. Everyone here knows the Moscow Mule. Nobody knows that this is the original Moscow Mule that Italian immigrants in Lima introduced. They used to do it with grappa back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. They would do it with grappa, but then they ran out of grappa. So what did they use? Pisco, which is the Peruvian grape brandy, um, the national drink, and they started substituting Pisco for right, for the grappa. Excellent. And All right, we're going to let you pass it around. Absolutely. And then we um, we'll come we'll back, come back we'll... to you in a little bit, and we'll talk more about Pisco. All right, so let's talk to David Hoffman, Hi, who is David. the general manager of the fabulous Pendry Hotel, the Sagamore Pendry Hotel in Baltimore. And uh, it must be something special, because you were at the Montage Kapalua Right before you came there, so I they was. had to do something. We were in to, Hawaii. It's, it's a natural move, Hawaii. Let me see, Hawaii Balmer, <laughs> Hawaii Balmer. Okay. Yeah, we love it here, though. We love Baltimore. We love the city. We love the neighborhood that we're in, and it's just a great place. Well, you must well, love it start, because. But can we start from the beginning, though? Because sure. for people in the D.C. market who maybe aren't aware, I mean, Baltimore sort of beat D.C. in getting sort of specialty hotels. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like we just had the first opening here, but sure. you guys, Baltimore as a city in general, has. Much, you know, you guys opened. When did the we opened a year ago? A March. year ago, right? right? So, and you were the first really sort of specialty hotel to open up in the Baltimore market. Yeah, we're excited. There's a lot happening in Baltimore mm-hmm. around right now, and I think I'm going to have to get David on my payroll the way he introduced us earlier in the show. Okay, but it's, I'm available. Sorry, I shut him down. I'm available. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting property, and, and what was done with the old pier right there in the Inner Harbor, and uh, you know, originally built in 1914 and restored into the hotel that it is today. Is so really you neat. guys took over the property, yeah. right? So. If- if you're on the other side of the harbor looking at it, wasn't it, what was it before you guys took it over? So it was the old recreation pier. Um, okay. It was originally built in 1914. It was one of the largest imports of immigrants into the United States. Uh, and then it became the recreation pier where people would gather, the spectacular ballroom that we have. That's where people would gather and tell a story and dance and have a good time. Well, it's right uh, spit from, you know, Little Italy and all of that. So. It's a Fels couple Point. blocks from there. Yeah. It's really right. easy. It's, it's a very quaint little neighborhood, the, old, the Fells Point area, if you haven't been there before. But right. a really neat spot. and. Getting around the Inner Harbor is a lot of fun. So what was when the owners of the hotel came to mm-hmm. put this building together, what was it that they were trying to do? Like, what was their, 
How do they want to come in? Because, you know, sometimes hotel groups come into a city and they don't take the the city vibe into consideration sure. and they just want to do their thing. But that's not how this went about. Not at all. I think it started with the love of the city and mm-hmm. the love of Fells Point and the history that happened in that area. So if you go to this hotel, you'll see the history of Baltimore within the property. The entrance to the hotel is actually an entire wall of the words of the Star Spangled Banner which was penned just a thousand yards away. So that history in the hotel is really Perhaps neat. a certain elected official come read it so he can remember <laughs> this that. This is not Stay away from that, show. but I appreciate the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go that way. Yeah, it, it really is spectacular how it was redesigned and, and kept to its historic nature. Well, so who did you all work with as far as the design so Patrick, and the aesthetic? Patrick Sutton was our interior designer, and, and what a talented designer he is because you'll see how he, he stayed true to what the neighborhood's about, what Fell's Point about, what Baltimore Baltimore is about. Uh, as you walk through the property, the artwork, uh, the you mentioned the cannons that we've located underneath the water as we were structuring the pier. One of them got buried into the floor of our whiskey room cannon bar. So it's a really neat experience for So everyone. what happened? Did they find the cannons? They found the cannons. We found three Pure of serendipity, them. like they Absolutely. were just building fact, and that's we what were, they found? We were putting the, the pylons into the water to structure the pier and we couldn't get the pylons in. Hit something. Sent some scuba divers down, and they found three cannons that date back to 1690. That's really cool. That is so cool. Two of them are out at the pool, and one of them got buried into the floor of our whiskey bar. They're really neat. Can you see it in your whiskey bar? Absolutely. You can actually walk right over it. We put a piece of glass over it, and you actually, as you enter the cannon room whiskey bar where we serve plenty of Sagamore rye, I can assure you of that. Right. You walk right over the cannons. I love that you brought that Sagamore rye in yeah, today it's so a we could story. try it. Yeah, it's <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. There'll be a bottle at your <laughs> desk, I promise. I promise. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the different amenities that sure. are happening at love the hotel. To. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're taking a trip to Baltimore. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I want to thank our sponsors, ProFish, Central Farm Markets, Meat Crafters, and, of course, the fabulous Market at River Falls in downtown Potomac, where they just got wild sockeye salmon in, fresh caught from the Copper River. I'm very familiar with that, actually. Captain Bill Weber pulls it out of the water and sends it right to the market. So go get some. All right, okay. so let's get back to David Hoffman and the hotel. You have a lot of things going on there that we want to talk about. We want to talk about your restaurants and all the art and, and the Baltimore kind of oriented historical stuff that peppers the property. So take it away, David. Sure, yeah, we have some amazing amenities there. First of all, the restaurant, Rec Pier Chop House. Uh, what a spectacular restaurant that is. We partnered up with Andrew Carmelini out of NoHo Hospitality and, mm-hmm. and their group. Uh, what a talented chef he is and uh, Rec Pier is a, 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 an Italian chop house with some spectacular food uh, created by Andrew Carmelini himself. And the experience there, there's a large 30-foot window uh, in the front of the hotel that looks right out onto the street of Phil's Point. So the interaction with the street is really neat and a lot of fun. So um, some great steaks there, great pastas, obviously, and a, a really killer Caesar, Caesar salad okay. on the table and side. And what about the bar that we were talking about before sure. we went um so the, the, can- the Cannon Room. It's called the Cannon Room Whiskey Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, originally was our whiskey bar. Then we found the cannons, and of course it became the Cannon Room Whiskey Ergo. Bar. Right. Yeah. right. But it's a really neat spot. Uh, the ceiling is as if you're sitting inside of a whiskey barrel. So um, some of those little touches. I've done that. Yeah. Have you done well, that? Well, I, I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, but it seats about 25 to 30 people, and and just a really fun spot to to go in and. Have some but it is a bar that you could just like you could just come you, off up the street and go absolutely. into the bar, right? It's not a everyone. private dining. Tell yeah, me a little bit about some because I mean clearly it's a place right now to get married. Tell us a little uh, bit 
about some of the uh, meeting room amenities. Sure. And actually, because how many hotel rooms are there? We have 128 rooms. 128 rooms. Those are suites. But you, you talk about weddings. The ballroom is 4,500 square feet with 45-foot ceilings. Original floors from 1914, original crown molding, original windows. It is Stunning. breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the interesting things is in our courtyard, there's an open courtyard, and we have a Botero horse in the courtyard, and it's called Horse and Bridle. And that's kind of taken a life of its own because people are going there to get engaged and putting it out on social media. And you know why there's a horse Is that there? the Instagrammable moment that is the, the hotel? Instagrammable moment. Right, you got to have an Instagrammable moment, right? You want to do a quick nod to Native Dancer? As Native as Dancer, absolutely. Native Dancer is located in all of our guest rooms. Actually, you'll see it around the property. Uh, Native Dancer was born and bred on Sagamore Farm right here in, uh, in Baltimore in Maryland. So... Uh, we see that around the property everywhere, which is, again, the storytelling and what's happening within Baltimore. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming down today. Well, Just, you know what? what? I, I want to ask one more question. Okay, go Can ahead. you talk a little bit more about the, the art installations? Because there's sure. art all over. I mean, all there's over. stuff to stop and stare at yeah. all over this hotel. There really is. And, and I think that's where Patrick Sutton, our designer, did such a great job. Even even the I spoke about the words of the, National, of the Star Spangled Banner being at the entrance. But mm-hmm. even the front desk, you'll see the, the steel that they used on the front desk is as if it's the waving of the of the flag. And he used those touches everywhere. Um, so when you have finds like the cannon and things like that to, to bring into the property is, is pretty spectacular. As you enter the hotel, the entire wall has emblems that he located specifically there so that you get a feeling of Baltimore. So it's a baseball player. It's the stoops that you sit on in Baltimore. I'm afraid that cool. can help the Orioles this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 I should. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, you know, nothing can help <laughs> yeah, them this year. Right. They'll, they'll turn it around, I promise. They will? Yeah, I promise. I doubt We're it working seriously. On it. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, if you haven't been to the Pendry, get to Baltimore and take a look and go stay there because it's, it's an unbelievable Can you please place. just tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, we're at 1715 Thames Street, right in the, the heart of Fells Point, uh, an incredibly quaint neighborhood that mm-hmm. uh, is free access and, and getting around the harbor. It's, it's quite an experience. Excellent. And sometime when we have a two-hour show, I'll tell you about Benjamin Franklin Butler and his trip okay. to Fells Point. Uh, okay. Looking forward to that. Again, All that's right. another show. Get All your right. own show, David. So Find David, else to do. David Marty from the Peru Trade Office. This first drink you made is so refreshing. Does that work for it you? It feels like it should be like 85 and sunny, and I should be by a pool <laughs> sipping this, not sitting in a studio watching it pour outside. Well, but I'll take it. Well, when it's cold, you just got to think hot. So right? tell us a little bit about Pisco. Well, Pisco, uh, I guess first I should mention, this is thanks to the guys at Caravedo. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very special Pisco. Um Pisco. You got to stand in front of the mic, honey, or oh, else I can't go. hear you. I'm going to be jumping around. But Pisco, again, is is made solely from grapes. There's nothing added, no water. They don't cut it with anything, so it's as pure as it can be. It's essentially distilled from wine. Um, and there are eight different grapes that they use to make two varieties of Pisco: an aromatic and a non-aromatic. And we're going to try later. Um, this this is the bread and butter. This is the um, the moneymaker right here. This is my absolute favorite. What is it? Caravedo Torontel. It's mm-hmm. the yellow, yellow bottled Caravedo, and it's um, an aromatic pisco, so it really has a, a, a great smell and a great taste and very smooth. So we'll try that just Well, was pisco great. first brewed by, by the, you know, the native Peruvians, right? A bazillion years ago. It was introduced ago. by Spanish. Uh, the oh. Spanish, when they came to Peru in the 1500s, they started, um, 1500s, they started making, uh, Pisco, essentially, and now it is, it's, um, how do you say, a denomination of origin. It is, there is a Pisco Peru, a so town do called what, Pisco. what the Italians do with their wines. And Absolutely. Got it. 
Absolutely. So it's designated, right? It is. Yeah. There are other countries that will attest to that, and they will call their stuff Pisco, but mm-hmm. I won't really go into that right now. This is Pisco I think we've heard that Peru. in here before, right? Well, that's like uh, people that put a small C on their quote-unquote champagne. And, exactly. You know. Method. Well, this this is actually the Thank oldest you. distillery in the Americas. It's called Hacienda La Caravedo. And this, so this comes 1684. It was opened. This, the farm and the distillery, cool. wow. oldest in the Americas. Okay, which what is did really you pour incredible. for us? So the second one is another take, a classic, uh, a twist on the classic chilcano. This is with passion fruit. Cole can't have this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cole Chocolate's in here with us. How old are you, Cole? There's some you? that aren't of age. I think he's, he's, in, he's yeah, got yeah. a couple You're years. a little young, yeah. dude. Sorry. I'll wait years, for a couple but. of years. Which yeah, is this, too this bad because it's really delicious. Yeah. It's <laughs> a simple it twist. <laughs> life, life sucks, Cole. <laughs> so this, again, this is just a passion fruit chilcano. So you just add a passion fruit juice. And it's perfect for these wonderful summer days when the sun's out. And, yeah, uh, I'm looking back behind you at that window. I'm right. trying not to right. look behind All right, Dave. <laughs> we will get back to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All okay. right. Jen Siegel is back in studio. You haven't been in here in a while. Hi there. Hi, it's so nice to have you. Do I look better or the same or worse? <laughs> I look better. Oh, Jen. Yeah. Golly gee willikers. So, Jen, for, I don't know, how many years, why don't we go back and do a little 411 on you? Because you, you were blogging when before blogging was really blogging, right? I, I started my blog in 2009. So I wasn't one of the original vloggers, pretty, but pretty close. early on. Long enough. Yeah. And was it always Once Upon a Chef? It was. Yes, that was the name that I started But with. let's talk a little bit about your history, because you're not... I mean, listen, there's a lot of recipe bloggers out there and mommy bloggers out there, but you came from a real professional background. Yeah, after I graduated from college, I went to culinary school at L'Academie de Cuisine, mm-hmm. um, their professional program out in Gaithersburg, and then I worked in the restaurant business for many years, up until I had kids. And what Those made you damned just, kids. right? And then easy rail thing. But then, but you still kept your fingers in the pot, seriously, because you launched this blog and you had a real point of view that you thought needed to be out there. Yeah, I was sort of trying to take what I learned working in the restaurant business and parlay that into delicious but doable recipes for busy families because that's really what I was looking for at that time with young kids. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do that on my blog and share those types of recipes with. And so, but were you coming up with your own recipes? Were you doing research? I mean, for somebody who was looking to do something quick because she had young kids, you were taking the long route to make that happen for yourself because you were doing it for other people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But I mean, that was really, um, you know, I started the blog when my kids started school. Okay. So I did have some time on my hands and I was getting that itch to go back to work. And so um, the blog was really, for me, a great outlet to sort of, find my way back into the working world and mm-hmm. stay in the restaurant business. So the recipes are all original. Um, I come up with them. I photograph them. And I give step-by-step photos on the blog and sort of teaching people how to cook one recipe But, I mean, was it, was it how do I take something that's probably way more complex, like beef wellington and... and uh, understand how I mean this, dumb it down so that somebody who's it. Who how about instead of dumbing it down, we call it simplifying. Simplifying. For me, it would be dumbing it yeah, down. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I think it was more a matter of finding really great recipes that are simple because there are so many things that are gourmet that are actually really easy to make. Mm -hmm. And so it was a matter of curating a collection of those types of recipes. But I also think, I mean, you and I both have kids that are similar ages now, but we knew each other when our kids were younger. And I do think that, you know, 
at when kids are young and you are a mom and it's a busy day, you know, at six thirty, seven o'clock when you're like, oh, my God, what am I making for dinner? It's being prepared. And that was part of what you were really helping people with, of making sure that they had a stocked pantry, a stocked fridge so that even if they didn't plan their meal that night, they could open it up and know that that in a half hour or so, they could put a meal on the table. So does the cookbook extend that story? I mean, you feel... It does. And just to kind of add on to what Nikki was saying, a lot of it um, is also making sure that all of the ingredients are available at a regular supermarket. Because I feel like that's really what differentiates my recipes is that all of the ingredients you can find at your local supermarket. So you're Mm -hmm. not going to be driving all around town looking for specialty ingredients. So... You mean we don't have to shop at Hold Paycheck? <laughs> you sound a look. like an old yeah. man. I am an old man. Like that. Yeah. I, I sound mean, like yeah, what I am. You really do. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So in other words, Safeway Giant, any of those places are going to have And Whole Foods. Also, you can also buy it at Whole Foods. That's right. But either Not place. True, but, and but, I also or show, a farmer's market. I also show pictures of the ingredients. And I think for so many people, we're visual learners. I know I am. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps people to sort of imagine that they can do it. Well, and I... I I'm sure you probably feel the same way. There are a lot of people who are very intimidated by cooking. Absolutely. They feel that um, it's too much work and it's a hassle and um, they're looking for a quick way to get through it. And I think when it is broken down and simplified, um, when you take the scare component out of it and people realize, not just moms and dads or anybody, that you're even though you're... Your specifics were family oriented. Everybody needs to eat dinner. Right. So and there think, are ways to do it. Absolutely. And I think the other piece of it is that there really are so many bad or mediocre recipes out there. It's true. And so I really made a point from the Ooh, very beginning. the competition. <laughs> I mean, everybody has been burned by a bad recipe. It happens all the time. And mm-hmm. so for me, from the very start, I've been committed to testing and perfecting my recipes so that they work for people the first time. And I think that for people is sort of what makes cooking intimidated is because they make something and then their family doesn't really like it. And then that's, you know, upsetting. Well, it's, especially it's if you don't know how to balance it, it on yeah. your own, yeah. right? Like if exactly. you don't know that it needs acid or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Absolutely. When we come back from the break, can we talk about some of your favorite recipes? And what about, yeah. I think it's important to talk about kid favorite recipes too, because it isn't just adults eating. Okay. Stuff. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis. You're getting an education on how to cook. We'll talk more with Jen Siegel when we return. On Foodie and the Beast, and we're talking to world-famous, renowned blogger and cookbook author, Jen Siegel. Her new cookbook, Once Upon a Chef, makes hard stuff easy, basically. So we were talking before. What is some, I mean, you had to conjure up all these recipes and then try them. First of all, how often do you make a dish to like make sure that you're right on? So I test my recipes five or six times. And then for the book, actually, um, when I announced that I was writing a book on my blog, I was inundated with volunteers for recipe testers. Well, so I had about 400 recipe testers for this who, book. I was going to say, does Mike, <laughs> your husband Mike, because he's a tall, thin guy last time he I is, saw him. Is he a big fatso now? No, he, no, he's no? still, he oh, has okay. a high metabolism. No, so, yeah. good Mike. Way to go. And then, and then what about some of your favorites? Gosh, there's so many. I think um, probably my favorite recipe in the book is the Moroccan brisket. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not exactly in season right now, but um, that's probably my favorite recipe. Why? What about it? Um, you know, it's just, I love the combination of sweet and savory. With There's dried fruits, there's Middle Eastern spices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a holiday favorite, so it's 
you know, has some special meaning to us because I make it on the Jewish holidays. But did it come from either your family or your husband's family, or is it one you created no, on your own? No, it's one, one that I created. Okay. What do the kids think of that? We're a little lukewarm on the brisket. But what are some of your kids' favorite recipes? So their favorite recipe in the book would have to be the indoor s'mores. So basically, it's a, basically open my mouth. Yeah. Sugar in there, right. So it's um, it's a graham cracker crust with a chocolate ganache filling and a homemade marshmallow meringue. And on Cole, top. who was the only kid in the studio, I already right showed drooling. it. To, yeah, showed He's it to him. Drooling. Yep. Not completely. But. Not yeah. Yeah, David. He's like, don't call me out, dude. What is that? No, I'm good. Um, and so, but now, so the book came out how long ago? About, about a month, month ago. A month mm-hmm. ago. So are you doing a bunch of events in and around the city? Yep. I've done a couple events in D.C. I just mm-hmm. got back from New York, Toronto, and Chicago. And then I'm going to be at the National Press Club on Tuesday night Ooh. doing a cookbook and wine dinner. Fantastic. Are tickets available to They that? are. They're available uh, on the National Press Club web- website. Okay, terrific. Well, congratulations yeah, on the book. Wait, wait, it's beautiful. Go Where ahead. You find the book everywhere, Amazon. Anywhere books are sold. Yes. Anyway. Today, Washington, tomorrow's of our ultimate. Well, right? close. All it's right. very exciting. All right, thanks, Congratulations, Jen. Thanks Jen. For me. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. All right, so let's go back to David Marty from the Peru Trade Office. Um, I mean, so, how are you guys participating at the Rammies this so year? Rammies, every year we do a pavilion. So, we, we bring Peruvian classic dishes that are really, really becoming more and more known here in the Lomo. U.S. Lomo saltado, ají de gallina. We'll do. That's really easy for you to say. No, but I love the way you know. I love the way you know. Because I don't say anything like the that. The Yanks who say yes, I speak Spanish. Uh, hablo español. You go hablo español. Yeah. So, <laughs> I even have the lisp. Hablo español. Yeah. yeah. No, but we're, we're doing the the classic dishes. We're gonna have uh, pisco cocktails as well in the cent in the center. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll have on the on the outer parts. We're gonna have. Uh, some of these famous, really well-known Peruvian classic food dishes that are just just incredible. We got to do the tasting the other week, and mm-hmm. oh my, oh my, everyone's in for a treat. Yeah. That's so exciting. And when you guys participate in an event like the Rammies, I, I mean, I know you're trying to educate people on the cuisine of Peru, but given that this is largely an industry-specific event, even though it's open to the public. Are you hoping that um, chefs and restaurateurs will get a chance, like, taste your product and be like, oh, yeah, we should be using this? Exactly. The the, the ingredients are, sell themselves. The peppers mm-hmm. and the fruits and the superfoods, they're just Okay, you've said superfoods a couple times now. What are we referring to? Superfoods are foods that have extraordinary health benefits. No, no, no. I know what it means. I uh, mean, what specifically are the types? superfoods? Yeah. I thought they were foods so, that Superman eats. Am I, they am I like out of it completely? Yes, I you're think totally he probably out of does. it. probably does. Um, but there, for instance, quinoa. Quinoa wasn't known in the U.S. until, what, 10 years ago? I lived right. in Peru and I left in 2011. I got back and everybody said, oh, you must eat quinoa every day. I had no idea what it was. I mean, I didn't know it. So and why is it a superfood? Oh, it's like packed with protein. It's so healthy for you. you yeah, are you Peruvian? I'm not Peruvian, <laughs> but I, but it's so delicious too. For instance, and, the, and there's fruits such as kamu kamu, which is extraordinary. It has 30 to 50 times more vitamin C than an orange. It's the highest content of vitamin C. They have uh, awamantu, which is known to be an anti carcinogen, fights tumors. There's just incredible, incredible. Ben- but are benefits. those are the like quinoa? 
got mass marketed, right? So like it's others, everywhere now. The others but have not yet. Those have not yet. So like are they those available at all? Yeah, like can you are. buy those here they in are. the states? They, so not a giant Safeway. You can, you can find Awamanta, which here we call it Goldenberry. You can find it in stores now. Okay. It's starting to become. I Kevin's saw writing it down. Kevin's you taking can, notes. He's like Goldenberry. I got yes, it. I'm sir. getting it. It's good anti-carcinogen. It, 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 okay. It, has incredible and how do you benefits. eat it? Kevin, I'll split a straight. bucket of it. We just straight. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a, a peel. Berry. You, it's a berry. It usually comes when you buy it fresh. It comes. It has the shell, so you just take it out. And so eat is it, it tart? Straight. Sweet? It's very it? tart. Yeah. yeah, it's it's sour, which I love. Some people will perhaps not, but okay. I think it's incredible. Oh, did we? Your son yeah. knows he's got it. Oh, they look like or, uh, they a, look like tomatoes. Sour, sour. Yeah, they're like, little yellow yeah. ones. Why wow, you must oh, be a college boy? <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready for the university. Yeah, that's right. RIT. Here he comes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, when the, when people find out about these benefits, they sell themselves. And the restaurant industry uses a lot of the peppers. Ají amarillo, for instance, is mm-hmm. in ceviche, and it's a pepper unlike any others. Ricotto, another one. There's nothing like it uh, that comes. From outside of Peru, and Peru has all of these incredible foods that people are starting to learn. So, are outside more of about. South, outside of Peru and South America, you don't find many of these. No, really, no, Very because cool. they're not cultivated, or just the climate. It's the climate. Peru, the Peru climate is incredible. They have coasts, mountains, and yeah. jungle. It's just a huge, incredible diversity, biodiversity. And they've got two of the finest restaurants in the world, right? Two of the finest, yes. All right. Yes, they do in Lima. What are we Lima. drinking next? So now we're ready for the. The big guns, just okay. straight up. So you can taste it. These are two aromatic. Mm-hmm. This is the Caraveo Mosto Verde. We're going to start with that. It's kind okay. of their classic pisco. Um, we're just going to drink it straight. It's it is. You got it. Cool. Anthony um, is going to pass it around. Yeah. Yay, Anthony. For those that can't see, he we're wasn't about ready because he was too busy drinking here. it. No. Yeah, he's over here. <laughs> helping right. me. Anthony, under the bus, please. For Thank the listeners, you. we're about Today 15 people, people in the studio. Under the bus, right? <laughs> yep. So this one. I like to drink it straight. It's uh, aromatic. It's got a heavy flavor, and it's just marvelous. You can use it as a mixer, but I wouldn't. I mean, it you can. It smells beautiful. It yeah. is wonderful. So, so we'll try that. Okay. Quick. This is Caravedo, Mosto Verde. And you can buy it all over D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Whoa. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did I just see God, I had a conversation with him. Kevin, did you get that? Kevin, you want sound effects? Kevin, we're good. We good don't, <laughs> you don't need the, the anti-carcinogen. You know, you're fine. I'm in trouble. So this is a great after-dinner after uh, sort of dessert, dessert spirit. The David Hoffman's dry boy. You you are in hospitality. He's dropping them off here. Like I must look like a drunk. I don't know. And, and again, these both of these are single distilled to proof. They don't add anything to them. They can't be aged. They're not aged. They 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 wait in clay jars for a month, mm-hmm. but they don't age them like a whiskey. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, we're gonna. I, or we'll I'm going to drink more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now we're going to talk lamb. Uh, John and Suki Jameson are you're kind of legends in the lamb biz. They have Thank Jameson you. Farms in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, <laughs> which itself is a legend. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, yeah. Am I right? Yes. All right, t- talk about the first uh, from uh, Latrobe, just re- very quickly. Uh, who's who's from Latrobe? No, no, the first it? things that happened in Latrobe. You first things that happened in Latrobe was the first professional football game Yeah. on September 3rd, 1895. And the other things. I think were, it was a ball boy in that game. But. You may have been. You may, I think you were. Where I think you? I was. That was me and those knickers. You that know? was you. Yeah. So then it's famous for 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 uh, Arnold Palmer. It's famous for the first banana split. Beer. Uh-huh. 
and Rolling Rock Beer, which right. is no longer made there, and also Mr. Rogers' Can You Say Lamb Chop? Can You Say Jameson Farm? So yes. now let's talk about you, because your lamb is legendary. You were Thank the you. first major lamb provider to Jean-Louis at the water. That's right. right. So it actually, was third, I was thinking about it coming down. It was 30 years ago, Memorial Day, oh. so that, I, that he called me actually the Wednesday before, and if you ever knew him, he had we this did. great little voice. Uh-huh. That, and he said, I want I want uh, three nebs. He couldn't say lamb correctly. He could say agneau. <laughs> he could say he it in French. He, he could say it in French. In but, he could, but I didn't know what he, he said. I wouldn't agneau. We don't raise dogs here, man. <laughs> we don't eat them. He, 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 but, but he wanted, uh, he said, I need three milk lambs. Which in French is agneau de lait, which I can't pronounce correctly. <laughs> but he wanted three of them for uh, for a dinner he was doing for for a congressman on Saturday. He's probably night. in jail now, right? We, who may be in jail? Yeah. <laughs> I always wonder about that. But anyway, we got the lambs to him, and and when we took the lamb, they were they were uh, ten kilo, twenty two pound lamb carcasses. And I had two on my back, and Suki had one on hers. Suki, you're so petite. I know, she Suki. Was She's like, I can carry a lamb. Yeah, John told me in, in confidence earlier, he's really afraid of Suki. <laughs> I don't know. But so so, so uh, Jean-Louis takes one, and he puts it on a, on, on a stainless steel work table, opens it up, and he goes inside the carcass, and he's smelling and looking, and all of a sudden he starts crying. He said, I have not seen them like this since I am in France. Aww. And that was it. This is why France hasn't won a war in a thousand years. <laughs> know that. They're just too delicate, these people. They are. So Good passionate. Lord. That's a lovely story. But let me, how did he find you? Like, how did you start the relationship with him? So we we uh, did a benefit in uh, in Pittsburgh that was scheduled for October of 1988, mm-hmm. and uh, I was told by the guy who was running the event that all these famous chefs were going to buy my lamb, which I thought was okay. Oh, sure, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so he said, he said, write all these guys, and I wrote them with who I was in the price list, and uh, I got orders from uh, uh, Wolfgang Puck, Paul Prudhomme, and Jean Branchet. In Chicago, just a little bit of name dropping there. Well, but that's what happened. <laughs> Isn't that I amazing? had no idea who these guys were. I was right. clueless. You know, we have a big backyard. Maybe we should start raising sheep instead of those stupid dogs. And then he into... called me. So, but how did you get into the business? Uh, we started doing it for fun about ten years earlier because we bought an old farm in western Pennsylvania, actually, to, to fix up the old house. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful old stone house built in 1798. And the people would not sell the house without the property. So we didn't know what to do with the property. We tried cattle, and they broke everything down. They're big and dumb and <laughs> strong. So they're they're very strong, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. All right. We're, we're well, going to interrupt break. you. We've got to take yeah. a break. We want to talk about more about the farm. And the lamb jam, and because then we'll you get guys are going to be jam. there. Yeah, yes, absolutely. We, All right. right. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's going to be lamb-tastic. We'll be back in just That's a That's so set. funny. All right. We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, the fabulous David Nellis and Nikki Nellis. Mm-hmm. And we're talking to John and Suki Jameson, who are really, when you talk about, you know, the, like the legends of champagne or the legends of this, you are among the legends of, of lamb. 
And, uh, you know, you, I mean, you helped start the lamb revolution in restaurants, better restaurants around the country. Tell us a little bit about the farm. How many, do you call them head of sheep? What do you call them? What do we call them? Our flock. Or they're our flock. <laughs> they're our flock. They're our flock. So, no, they go by head. You're right. So our farm is um, uh, 212 acres. And it's on the rolling hills in western Pennsylvania. So it's the first set of hills as you come east from Ohio, for instance. It's the first set. And it's like Napa Valley for sheep because the grass is so good. And we have average rainfall every year of about 40 to 45 inches. And it's always at the right time. Now, this year we've had much more rain Mm -hmm. than usual. We've had 25 inches, 25, 30 inches. But it'll probably taper off in July. But it's still great. It's, and, and so what happens is the lambs uh, have have a taste from eating grass. So like it's your that. terroir that, uh, that makes all the difference. Huh. And, and actually, Jean-Louis, because that's, French, that's, by the way. That, be because that's what he was interested in. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. But, but he said to me, after we sold to him for six months to a year, he said, your lamb is most like a lamb in France called Cisteron, which is in the southeastern section of France, and it's in the lower Alps. And the elevation is 1,450 feet, and our elevation is 1,250. So it's very close. And, and he was all about having stuff at different seasons. So the lamb will taste differently all the way through. So we start with that garlic grass. Mm-hmm. The squiggly onion garlic grass. So the lambs in the spring taste like garlic. So you don't have to put garlic. You're in. the laziest sheep herder. <laughs> we are. We are. We're lazy. <laughs> it's flocking amazing that you have a business, for God's sake. Look at Good you. Lord. But, but so anyway, then, then through the summer, there, there are different wildflowers they have, and then in, in they, they eat, and then August and September, we get Queen Anne's lace, which is wild carrot. Mm-hmm. And it, like like carrot in a stew, it sweetens the meat. Good Lord. That's so you just go down to Florida for the whole season, so, and you come back, right. you're ready to send so it to market. So how does the growing process work with the lamb? Like, how do we, like, how do you, do they get, do they grow throughout the season? Like, yeah. And then when do you take them to slaughter? Like, how does it work? So so normally what we do is with the ewes, the mothers, we breed them in um, uh, uh, December. So mm-hmm. we have, it's a five-month gestation period. So we have lambs in the middle of May because the grass is so good. Mm-hmm. So the, the so the mother's udder is very big, and mm-hmm. so they're getting a lot of milk right away. And then the lambs are going right on the grass. So it's great. Now that's our ewe lamb flock. But then we buy local lambs at weaning, mm-hmm. and then we finish them on the grass because the grass is so good. Mm-hmm. And so we have 20 paddocks all over the farm, and we're constantly rotating, rotating. them into into fresh grass all mm-hmm. the time. And that was developed by a Frenchman named, named uh, Voisin, um, Andre Voisin, in the 50s. And it's it's called intense rotational grazing. And they well, it's like go, rotational farming. It's the same well, thing. Yeah, yes. And what See, they, I'm not stupid completely. No, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm right. impressed. We should hang out more, John, <laughs> because you like me. Yeah, yeah. I do. That's um, why he went all right. I, 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 I picked it He got up. lucky. I, you know, <laughs> he got his mother's brains. Um, before we go, we should talk about Lamb Jam, which is yeah. coming up June 10th at Doc 5 Union Market, because 
it is all lamb all over the place all the time. Well, and if you and haven't just let me break in. I mean, David and I have emceed the event multiple times okay. in are many incarnations. We are not. They didn't ask. No, they did. Sure. It's the I, same I, night as the Rammies. Oh, I'm getting my hair done, so yeah, we're so, not. Sorry, I'll be home getting we ready. We have priorities on that one, but uh, no. So, uh, but it, the event is so Lamb Jam is before the Rammies. Uh, it starts in the afternoon right. and it ends, I think, at four. Um, but you guys will be there this year. So there's always this year. There are ten chefs participating. They're all cooking up different parts of the lamb, right. and uh, then there's a huge competition, and a, people get a, to judge it. A butchering demo, yeah, right? We're right. doing the butchering, and that's going to be handled by Suki. And, and the so reason Suki, you are wanna... you a master? Suki said something. Oh, my. Oh, yeah, she said something. For both of us, you know that. I know. But so are you, like, are you a really good, but, like, when I think of butchering a lamb, like, well, I, I know, a lot of work. I know where the, all the cuts are, and I, right. can, I can organize and take them all apart and do yeah, all that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. thing. But I'm very particular the way it's cut, and that's why we have our own plant, because it has to be cut the way I want it. That's well, what John told me. So what is it about the cutting that is so important to you? What, what, how well, do you whether, cut it as opposed to how Well, I don't want else. any fat. I don't want any gristle. I want my, lean, my ground meat lean, because I mm-hmm. want a burger that is so delicious that it melts in your mouth, and that's just the way it goes. Okay, can we talk a little bit about lamb ribs? Because lamb we ribs. first yes. had lamb ribs at, at lamb, lamb jam. Stock. No, at lamb no. stock. No, the first time we had them was at lamb Not jam. True. Not true. Okay. It's our first but, fight. Um, first fight in we had them years. at lamb <laughs> jam, um, and I'm. There are some people who are serving them, but like it's still taking time for like. Lamb ribs to hit it. Right. That's right. It, it isn't is. it weird? Why it is, is and lamb ribs? Because they're, they're juicier than other than ribs. pork. Yeah. Pork ribs, right. Yeah, but they are juicy. lamb is not everybody's first choice, and that's why we're all out here trying to mm-hmm. say yeah. lamb is great. It's delicious. It is it's delicious. Cooked uh, any I, which way, say, it doesn't matter. Lamb ribs are They're so good. Awesome. They are so good. They are. They're and you know what? Lamb. If you don't mind a little bit of, you know, stuff yeah, dripping down your chin, you. I mean, it, they are unbelievable. They're the very other flavorful. cut I'd like to see more of is lamb belly. I love lamb right. belly. Yeah. Right. Lamb belly is it's great. It's such a great um, cut to cook. And, it's and, it's all the cook. same portion. It's just the same. It's, it's, it's just long strip further and, down. Right. What's so amazing is that we're vegans. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So let's tell everybody, Lamb Jam is the 10th at Union Market on Dock 5. Mm-hmm. Right. What time does it start? Do we know? I believe it Hold starts on. at... Why don't I have what time it starts at? It either starts at 1 or... I think it starts at 1 or 2. All right. And your ticket purchase supports D.C. Central Kitchen, which, which is, is amazing. D.C. Central Kitchen right. yeah, the best. So exactly. can you, do you go to the American Lamb Board? Lamb go to, board. You can go to Fan of Lamb or uh, Lamb Jam Tour, or you can go to the list or you want com because we have all the information oh, up there as well. Plug. Uh, no, that's good. So, uh, But definitely, if you have not been in the past, it's a great way to spend some time and really get introduced to um, to different cuts of lamb. And just uh, some of the chefs who are participating, um, Eric Bruner-Yang from Brothers and Sisters. He's one of the best chefs in the city. Uh, Dimitri uh, Modis from uh, Kava is also yeah. going to be participating. It's a great group of chefs, and uh, the food will be delicious. There will be great drinks, and you guys yes. will be doing the butchering we'll demo. The butchering. Yeah. What, we do, what we do at the end is we put all the pieces together people, yeah. and, and say tell, ask people to say, where does this go? And Where then does you the give it shank to them? come from? Sometimes. If Sometimes. they're nice. Okay. If they're nice. <laughs> All right. But it's interesting. At Jameson Farms. Yes. Is it Jameson Farm? Farm. 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 No That's a big difference. Okay. Jamesonfarm.com. All right. Go to the trobe. All right. Let's wrap up with David Marti. David, we got about a minute and a half. Oh, my God. We do. We do. Yeah. I know. It goes fast. really went by quick. Well, this last one we're going to try. 
I think some people already have downed it, but uh, this last one is the Caravillo Torontel. Okay. Absolutely my favorite, the golden bottle. Um, it's it's just aromatic. It's smooth. It's it's a beautiful pisco you can find all over. But before we do, I do have to make another shameless plug for Taste of D- DC, Taste of Peru, Taste of DC. Taste of Peru is going on right now uh, at UDC for those people that do want to try some Pisco drinks, some great Peruvian food. Um, it is wet out. It's a little damp. Right. It's a little damp, but that's not going right, to hold take anybody a back. Minutes of what I just drank, you won't care. No, no if there's Pisco and uh, Ceviche, Pisco and Ceviche involved, it's rain's not going to stop anyway. Right. So we'll be going straight from here to there. Uh, if anybody has questions, they can seek out the the bearded gringo there, and uh, I'll be wearing a number twenty jersey. Everybody else will wear a different. Well, one, so for people who are curious about please. what we talked about today, is there a way to get in touch with your with the business section yeah, of Peru absolutely. so that people can find out more about Pisco or find out more about the product? Should I give a personal email on this? No. Is that <laughs> I got a yes and a no. So no, but like, can you just? Where can people go to for that information? Uh, Do they just go to the, like, we can find you on Instagram, Peru on Instagram? Peru.travel, if they're interested in Peru as a destination. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can go to... They, there's a whole slew of Peruvian I restaurants. Have to do this, guys. We got to wrap up. Oh okay. yeah, all right. All right, all right. Sorry. Find me a taste of uh, Peru. Go to Taste okay. of Peru now. Before <laughs> and we go, see him at the Ramy. And tr- we'll see you at the Ramy. And we'll Every, everything you heard about on the show today, you can find on Nikki's website, thelistareyouonit.com. Mm-hmm. Follow her on WTOP every week at 12:40. Uh, and uh, Cole, Cole Chocolate's going to tell you that Foodie and the Beast is the most awesome radio show ever. Yeah, it's the only one I know. So. It's the only one he knows. <laughs> and that's the start, so start of a long career for Cole Tucker. Okay, okay. All right, that's it. All right, so we want to thank everybody for coming in studio today. It was certainly a delicious show. Next week is going to be equally delicious, but also a little educational. If you haven't heard, the restaurant industry is uh, unified in being against uh, Initiative 77, and we're going to have a whole panel in studio explaining why you should vote no on Initiative 77. This is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back uh, next week. Have a delicious week. God willing, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>